So some questions for you. Does it ever feel like temptation owns you? Does it ever feel like maybe you're trying to fill a legitimate need in an illegitimate way? Have you ever struggled with this concept of almost like trying to bend God's will to your will? You almost put God to the test and, and say, kind of do it my way and, and, and you're God so you can go ahead and, and, and do whatever you want. So here's what I think you should do. So go ahead and do that. Have you ever t- been tempted to take a shortcut when you knew God wanted you to kind of take the long route around and do it the way he would have you and the way he's leading? Do you ever feel like temptation is something that you don't know how to shake free from? So I've asked you four or five questions about temptation tonight. There's one last question I want to ask you, and it's not going to seem like it relates to the others, but I promise you it's incredibly connected. And the question is this, do you ever feel insecure in your relationship with God? Do you ever feel like just an insecurity, like am I really his, is he really there, does he really love me, does he have a plan for my life? You see, here's the thing I need you to see tonight, that all those questions I asked you about temptation and that question I asked you about your security in God are linked. Because I want you to see tonight that it's your security and your relationship with your heavenly father that helps you and I overcome some of the temptation struggles in our lives. Everybody say chapter break. So that's the series we're here in. How many of you guys like to read books? Raise your hand real quick. All right, how many of you guys like to listen to books? All right, good. So we've got Audible. We've got some of these books. Did you know that you can have the Bible read to you? Did you know that one of the people who read the Bible that you can listen back to is James Earl Jones, which means Darth Vader can read you the Bible, which is the crazy coolest thing ever. I would just say don't have your you know, listening time right before bed. I think it might make your dreams a little weird. You wake up being like, man, I had a dream that Luke turned some blue milk into wine. You know, like Han betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Like I'm all confused here. But you know, as you're reading or listening to a book, you can usually tell when the end of the chapter is coming, right? It starts to wind down. It starts just to make sense. It feels like now's a good time for a a chapter break. But sometimes in the Bible, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes in the Bible, right in the middle of a conversation or a concept or two linked events, there's a chapter break. And so we're talking about that here in this series. In In the 1200s, I should say, Archbishop Stephen Langton added the chapters. And before that, there were no chapters in the Bible. You know, the Bible, when it was originally written, it was, some of them were historical books, some of them were songs, some of them were poetry, some of them were just letters that were written to people. So there was a letter to the Romans, the Galatians, the Ephesians, and of course in our letters and in our songs and and in our poetry, we don't put chapters, right? But the Bible was so big that Archbishop said, hey, I think what we should do is get these chapters in there so we can more easily find the different sections of scripture, and then 200 years later, they added the verses. And I'm honestly so grateful that they did this because I think it helps just make it so much more accessible. We can say, hey, turn to this book and this this chapter and this verse really easily. We can memorize chapters and verses really easily. But sometimes the chapter break just was put in a bad place. Now, I don't want you to doubt your Bible. That doesn't make the Bible untrue in any way. It's like if you were reading a history book and they happen to just put a bad chapter break in, it wouldn't make what's written before or after the chapter break any less true. It just maybe should have been put in a different spot, right? And 99.9% of the chapter breaks in the scriptures are in a really great place, but there's that 0.1%. And I think what our heart for this series is for, for you and I to look at a few of those examples and realize that we have to just sometimes keep reading. We have to keep digging. 
You know, the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. So if you ever have a question about the Bible, you're probably going to find your answer in the Bible. And sometimes, right before the section you're reading or right after it, you find the answer to your question or you realize that the story's bigger than just where that chapter break kind of came. Can you imagine if in church today all I did was say the beginning of Romans 6.23, right? Just the bad news, right? That all falls short, right? That the wages of sin is death. And then I just said, have a great week, guys. God bless, right? And I didn't get to the part, but God gives us incredible life in Christ Jesus our Lord, right? Like if I only gave you the bad news and not the good. And sometimes that's what happens in a chapter break. We just see the bad news or we just get the first half of the story. And so in this series, we're going to look at the 0.1% of bad chapter breaks and really learn this skill of, no, let's keep reading. Let's keep digging. Let's keep looking. And in those few chapter breaks that we want to look at and highlight in this series, we're going to look at the heart of really the message God was trying to communicate before the chapter break was there. And the one we're going to look at tonight has to do with those questions I asked you earlier. Does temptation ever feel like it just owns you? Have you ever felt like you're meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate way? I'll give you an example. A legitimate need for every single one of us is to have encouragement in our lives, right? Well, an illegitimate way to meet that is to become someone who's constantly fishing for compliments. Do you know what I mean? Uh, the, the other struggle that I brought up earlier was trying to force God's hand, trying to have him do something that um, maybe he has not led us to, but we just hope he'll get us out of trouble now. It's kind of like telling a bunch of lies and then hoping God will just snap his fingers and get us out of all the trouble for those lies. You know what I mean? And then there's the shortcut. You know, maybe for some of us in the room, it's a busy season, a crazy season, and we know the way God would have us go forward in our studies or something for school or for something for work is just to work really hard and apply ourselves and study well. But the shortcut would be our friend, our roommate, our coworker has the test from last year, all the same answers, and we get our hands on that, right? And so those are some of the temptations that I want to talk with you about tonight. Not those specifically, but those categories of temptation, legitimate need, and fulfilling it in an illegitimate way, trying to force God's hand and presume our will on him and taking the shortcut. And then this idea of feeling insecure in our relationship with God. See, I believe that so often we give into sin because we're insecure in our relationship with God. That there's something there. There's something there. You know, father issues are rough, and we have a heavenly father that we call God. And father issues go deep, don't they? Father issues run deep. I have a great dad. Not all of us have great dads. I'm a dad who is very involved in my kids' lives, but I still let them down, even though I will try my hardest to honor them and bless them and respect them and point them in the right direction. So even if you have a good dad, we can still have father issues, and those father issues can taint our view of God, can't they? And so tonight, we're going to talk about being secure and overcoming temptation and how the two are linked. And this whole idea of father issues is a huge deal. The other day, I opened up the shower in my bathroom just to turn the hot water on. Um, you know how you kind of do that before you jump in, make sure it's nice and hot before you get in there. And so I, I didn't fully open the curtain, but when I was ready and I figured it was hot, I fully opened the curtain. And this is what I found in my shower. There he was, none other than Darth Vader. This is a very Star Wars message tonight. I just want to warn you, okay? Not on purpose necessarily, but there he was. And I found out later that my two boys, my daughter, and my son's girlfriend had decided to go ahead and take their action figures throughout the house and hide them in scary spots. And he was full on soap, man. Darth got a nice little shower there. And uh, I can tell you that the scare tactic worked. You know, I opened the shower curtain and Lord Vader is before me. You know, there he was in all his glory. And so, you know, a little bit freaked out by that. But I was just thinking like, man, isn't 
the entire Star Wars saga built off father issues, <laughs> right? It's all father issues, man, right? It's Vader and Luke, and it's Kylo and Han. Then you go out to the newer ones, even Rey's trying to figure out who her family is. Then you got, you know, Rogue One even, like the prequel to the prequels. Like, like, I mean, you have like all these father issues. It's all built around that because there's something about a security that's supposed to be built into a father-child relationship. And when it's not there for us, we can really struggle. It can make us look for different forms of acceptance and security, can it? And tonight I want you to know that that form of security and acceptance exists for you in your heavenly father, whether you had it in your earthly father or not. It's amazing how this temptation and, and this security in our God are linked. And so we're going to look at that here tonight. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I pray today you would think about putting your trust in Jesus. You're going to learn a lot about God. You're going to learn a lot about Jesus tonight. And you're going to see what Jesus has done for you. And so I pray that you're challenged and encouraged. And by the end of the night, you think and pray about putting your faith in Jesus. Now, one, one morning I have to give you. We're going to talk about the devil tonight. And sometimes people have a struggle with this. It's kind of like, oh, come on. You don't really expect me to believe in the devil, right? But what I hope you've seen in the last few years as we've really kind of gone through some pretty crazy stuff in our world is that, man, it's kind of getting easier and easier, I think, to believe in the devil, isn't it? I mean, even you think about the war going on right now, you think about all that's happening. And so, I mean, back in the day, I think it was kind of like this cartoon picture that we had of the enemy. But I want you to see tonight that the enemy is very real and he is pretty wise in the way that he comes at Jesus and the way that he comes at us. And so... We're going to see the link between security in our Heavenly Father and overcoming temptation. In the beginning of Matthew chapter 3, let me summarize a little bit for you. John the Baptist, we begin to learn about him. We see that he has come to prepare the way for the Messiah. He begins to baptize people, and then eventually Jesus comes and gets baptized. And we're going to really dig in to Matthew 3 and then the beginning of chapter 4. And so it says this in verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And this is a key verse right here. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And so Jesus gets this incredible affirmation from his father. Okay, side note for a minute. We have some current parents in the room, and many of you will be parents one day. Can I just take a second and say something to you? It is so important that you affirm your kids. It's so important that they know they are yours, they are loved, and that you are pleased in them. Some of you might be thinking, well, that's easy for you to say, Doug, because God said this about Jesus, who is perfect, and you haven't met my kid yet, right? But here's what I want to tell you today, is that I don't know your kid, maybe, but I know me, and I'm imperfect, you're imperfect, your kid's imperfect, and yet they still need to hear that they're yours, that you love them, and that you're pleased in them. And that's what Jesus gets here in this conversation with the Father, this incredible moment where God affirms publicly who he is. This is my boy. This is God in the flesh. I love him and I am pleased in him. And then there's a chapter break right there. And so if we're reading our Bible app, if James Earl Jones is putting us to sleep listening to Matthew chapter 3, whatever it might be, we will close the book right there. We'll close the app or we'll shut down Audible right there. Because chapter over, right? Story over. End of the saga. But what happens in the next 
verse is 100% linked to what we just read. The pronouncement of who God said Jesus was is so linked to what we find in Matthew chapter 4. And we know this partially because of the very first word in verse 1 of Matthew 4. It doesn't say three weeks later, two weeks later. It says then, right? So the father makes this pronouncement, this is my son whom I'm pleased in and who I love. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Of course he was, right? Anybody in the room get hangry? Just raise your hand if you ever get hangry, right? Evil stuff, man. Hangry, hangry life is nasty life, right? My daughter, on the 23rd of December, it was our Christmas services. We had done three services. She was in the nursery for all three, helping out. She came into the room after, and she was like, Dad, I have to eat, like, right now. And then, of course, I have five people in my family. We got all gray on the same place, so that took an hour, right? So we figured that out, and we decided on California Pizza Kitchen, so we drive over there, and it's swamped because it's right before Christmas, and so... Like, no one takes her order for, like, 20 minutes. She's dying. Her head's on the table. She's, like, banging her head on the table. She's hangry. And then eventually, finally, they come and they take our orders, and it takes, like, 40 minutes for the food to get to us. So she is losing her mind. And they're putting the plates, the plates down, and Kate gets his, and I get mine, and Lana gets his, and my wife gets hers, and my son's girlfriend, Abby's with us. She gets hers, and guess whose food didn't come? <laughs> Poor Bryn. And she's sitting there like, are you kidding me? I can't believe this. She's just giving up on life at this point. She's like laying on the table, you know. She ordered the chicken and the broccoli, which should have been the easiest to cook. Another 20 minutes goes by before she got her food. Can you imagine Jesus 40 days and 40 nights? And I just think it's no coincidence that before Jesus is about to walk through that experience physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually, that his father reminds him who he is. That his father sets him up with those words. I have to believe that during that period of time, he is thinking back. Those words are rattling around in his head. I belong to my father, and he loves me, and he is pleased in me. I have to believe that was incredibly empowering. Now, if that weren't enough, the devil then comes to tempt him in this weak, vulnerable place as, as Jesus as fully man was at this point. And it says this in verse three, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, everybody say if, if you are the son of God. So think about how that's tied back to the pronouncement in chapter three. Father says, you are my son. Satan comes and says, if you're the son, right? It's tied together. The temptation is tied to that pronouncement in chapter three. He says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. A few thoughts. First of all, I remember growing up in church and hearing about these temptations and thinking, I just can't relate to the temptations of Jesus. I've never been tempted to turn stones into bread. Neither have you, right? I can't relate to this. And uh, maybe 2003 or four, I heard a pastor named Andy Stanley talk about the temptations and I realized, oh my gosh, these are the same strategies that the enemy uses on us every day of our life. It's just different temptation. See, Satan comes to Jesus, and he knows he's hungry, right? Satan knows how to push your buttons and my buttons and Jesus' buttons. He, he didn't come with this random temptation of turning the stones into bread in that moment. It wasn't random. It was very specific because Jesus hadn't just come from a feast. He just came from 40 days with no food. When he comes to you... He comes knowing and understanding how to trip you up. 
And this temptation was not about Jesus' stomach. It was about his relationship with his heavenly father. It was, oh, if you're really the son of God, kind of like, why are you hungry? <laughs> like, if you're the son of God, why are you hungry? If he's a good father, then why are you hungry right now? And if he's not going to do something about it, why don't you do something about it? So what is this? This is the temptation to fill a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. You go ahead and do it. He's not going to do it. You might as well do it. Right? And guys, this happens to you and I all the time. We're, we're tempted in so many different ways, right? It's the lie of, oh, you know, I know that sex is important to you, but I don't really know that that's ever going to be met in a legitimate way. So why don't you go find somebody who's not your spouse or, or start looking at things on a screen maybe you shouldn't be looking at, right? That's the legitimate need, right? Sex is a gift. It's a beautiful thing that God has given. But the illegitimate way that we sometimes play it out is sometimes devastating, isn't it? I think another example of this is instead of waiting for the, you know, God to lead you to the person that you know he has for you, you kind of just make something happen, right? Legitimate need to be with somebody, illegitimate follow through. And this is the point in the service where all the people dating hold each other's hands a little tighter going, oh, please tell us that's not us, right? Everybody gets a little nervous there. Everybody comes a little closer, right? What's he thinking? What's he thinking? It's okay, everybody. Calm down. It's all right. This is when instead of trusting God for that thing that we need, we kind of dip our hands into that little fund in the business. Nobody's going to notice a few dollars missing, right? You know what I mean? It's legitimate need filled in an illegitimate way. For us, are you really God's kid? Because if you're really his kid, is he good? Because if he's good, then why do you have that need unmet? Why don't you do something about it? Legitimate need, illegitimate follow through. Here's Jesus' relationship challenged by Satan. And I'm so thankful that before this, the father prepared him. Oh, when you're walking through that and you're hungry and you're tired and you're spiritually feeling exhausted and mentally exhausted, I want you to know and remember, you are my son. I love you and I'm well pleased in you. Isn't that amazing? The next time you're tempted to feel a legitimate need in an illegitimate way, remember who you are. And remember who God is. Remember you're his child, that he loves you and he's pleased in you, which means he's going to fill your need. There's no need to go ahead and try and fill it in an illegitimate way. Matthew Henry says this. Read this with me. And I'm going to add a couple words to it because this was written a long time ago. It needs a little updating. The assurance of our sonship, and I'll add, and daughtership, is the best preparative for temptation. In other words, the best preparation for the temptation in our lives is knowing that we are God's kids. And so there's this security that comes and it enables us to respond to our temptation. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now in past sermon series, we've gone into depth why Jesus used those scriptures. He quoted the word of God, why he did that. I'm not gonna get into all that here because we just don't have time. But I will say he quoted the word of God for two reasons. Number one, it's powerful. And number two, what reminds us that we are God's and who God is like the word of God, right? Nothing else. And so when we're tempted to speak out the word of God is incredibly powerful. It goes on. Second temptation. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. The relationship with God is under attack again, just in a different way. Now, again, I've never had that temptation in my entire life. Let me go see if an angel will catch me. Like never thought that, okay? Not an issue for Doug Jansen. I'm tempted by many other things. That is just not one of them, okay? And again, it can kind of feel like, well, I don't have this. I, Jesus, I can't really relate to him. But here's what's happening. Jesus is just tempting him. Okay, I tried the whole idea of maybe God isn't good and, and he won't provide for you. So, so now let me try to get you to bend and twist some of God's words and even twist his will. Like if, if you presume your will upon God's will, and we struggle with this, don't we? We, we kind of think and follow through on something that God wasn't leading us to, and we try to make it God's will afterwards, or we try to you know, convince ourselves it's somehow his will, and he's going to get us out of this mess, right? Let me give you a really over-the-top example. I know none of us have ever done this, or, or ever probably would or could, but let me give you a ridiculous example, and I hope you'll see the kind of thing that I'm talking about. This would be like you or I walking into a car dealership that sells the most expensive cars in the whole world, and somehow taking out a loan for a ridiculous car that we could never pay for. This is the most expensive car in the world, the Rolls-Royce Boat Tail. Okay. Now, it is $28 million, and for $28 million, it better be both a car and a boat, but it's not. Okay? It is just a car that is based on a boat, which is super lame. Okay? It's got all these nautical little touches. You can open up the back, and an umbrella pops up. I don't know. It must be like a $30,000 umbrella if the rest of the car is $28 million. I don't know. I'm not so much tempted by that. This one, though, the Bugatti, the 3.8 million Bugatti, I mean, that's a little bit nicer. I think we might be a little bit more tempted by that. But this idea of bending God's will and saying, oh, man, I, I think you could come through for me here on this, God, if I put myself out there, would be like purchasing that car and our household income is, you know, 100000 50000 25000 right now. God, but you're going to make it work, Right? Like, that's the temptation for Jesus here. I'll go ahead and jump. You get me out of it. And I think that we can struggle with this in lots of different ways. I'll give you an example here. It's just making a bad decision and thinking that God's going to protect us from the consequences. When I was in second grade, I was playing the amazing musical chairs game. And uh, the teacher made it really clear you get out. I want you to go ahead back to your desk and sit down and wait for everybody else for the game to end. So I got out and I went back to my desk, but I added a little tweak. And the tweak was that I was going to jump over my desk on the way back to my seat. And apparently I have the vertical leap of a turtle because as I jumped, my leg caught the desk. The desk fell down. I turned around to see what happened. The desk fell on my foot and broke my toe, right? Now, the question, of course, is, God, why didn't you protect me from breaking my toe? No, that's not the question. The question is, why did you jump over the desk, you idiot, right? Like, that's the more important question. Because did Jesus forgive me for disobeying my teacher? A hundred percent. But did he protect me from the consequence of my toe breaking? No. And that's the reality. God is a great savior. And here's the thing. I'm walking a tightrope here today in this whole message. Because God is a provider, right? God does miracles. And here's the thing. There are going to be times in our lives where we have to step out on faith and maybe financially it doesn't make sense. 
But that's when only when God's leading us, right? Maybe um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense relationally. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, career-wise. But you just know God's leading you. Well, then go for it, right? Go with all your faith and let God do his thing. We have a building to build up the street right now. And we are on faith on that thing. But I know God's going to do it. But that doesn't mean... I go to the top of the Rolls Royce for the Bugatti dealership and jump and hope an angel catches me, right? You guys see what I'm saying? Don't presume upon God. Don't tempt him. But it's in the security of who God is and who we are that we won't fall for that kind of stuff. Wait, I know, I know the heart of my God. I know the kind of stuff he's leading me to and not leading me to. And so I'm not going to try to bend his will. I trust God enough to know if I bend his will, it's going to take me to bad places. I can't even bend his will, but if I think I can, or I hope I can, or I think I did, it's going to take me to places that I don't want to go. Verse 7, Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He's speaking back scripture. Again, he's quoting scripture. It's powerful. It reminds us who God is and who we are because of who God is. When the devil tempts you to presume upon God, to test God, to bend his will, remember your relationship with your father. Remember he is a provider. Remember that he's good. Remember you don't have to force his hand. He's going to give you what you need. Last temptation, verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. This temptation is so tied to the chapter before. Because in the chapter before, the father says, you are my son. And who was the son? But the Messiah and the Savior. And the road of the Savior and the Messiah was one of suffering, wasn't it? And the temptation here is, take the shortcut, Jesus. Take the shortcut. He says, you can have all of this. Now here's the thing. All of that would belong to Jesus anyway. Everything Satan showed Jesus would eventually be Jesus's anyway. And so the temptation is take the shortcut, avoid the suffering. And you can have this right now. And that temptation comes at you and I all the time as well. But I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't fall for it. Because think about all the things he would have missed out on. Well, A, he would have failed his mission that God sent him to complete. He wouldn't have died on the cross for us, sin. He wouldn't have rose again. He would not have defeated hell, sin, and death for you and me. And he would not reign over eternally all those things the enemy promised him temporarily. I'm so thankful he didn't fall for that. I'm so thankful he was secure in his relationship with his heavenly father. And those words were rattling around his head. This is my son. I'm pleased in him. And I love him. And he speaks the same over you and I. Even though we're imperfect because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, he speaks the same words over you and I. He says, you're my kid, and I love you, and I am well pleased in you. And there are areas of all our lives, like we saw last week, that need to continue to grow and change, but God loves us through the change and walks with us through the change, doesn't he? I think the way that we can struggle with this shortcut mentality is maybe somebody hurts us, right? And we know kind of the God route. The longer route is forgiveness of that person and maybe meeting with them to tell them, this is how I was hurt and this is why I just got to work through this with you and then everything might be able to be worked out. That's the long God route. The shortcut route is I go over here and find all my friends and I get seven of us together and I tell them what that person did to me. And then one of them, not throwing any of you under the bus, goes over and tells that person what I said and now that relationship's destroyed. 
and now I have struggle with one of you seven. Again, no offense. But man, that's the shortcut way. That's the blow up in our face way. Maybe for some of you guys, it would be this. It would be you have an opportunity to love on somebody that is not like you, that doesn't look like you or doesn't act like you. Maybe it's somebody from a different ethnicity or has a, a different color of skin. Maybe it's somebody from the LGBT plus community and you have this opportunity to love on somebody. And here in this moment, those people know you're a Christian, and here you are with a group of your Christian friends, and one of them begins to make some kind of derogatory racial comment or some kind of prejudiced comment against, against that, that person, and you stay quiet or you join in, man, you're taking the shortcut, and it's going to cost because now that person who knows you're a Christian, man, they're never going to church again. They're never going to talk to a Christian again. You took the shortcut. One last example, you're hanging out with a group of friends and one of them says, oh man, I saw the most wild thing online. You gotta go ahead and check this out. And they pull up just some straight porn that's up on the screen and there you kinda just sit and look at it. And again, guys, sex is a beautiful gift from God that he has for you. And instead of trusting him in that, you take the shortcut, look at that thing. And man, it's amazing how continued exposure to that kind of stuff can go ahead and destroy intimacy in your marriage later on, right? And so the shortcut never takes you where you want to go. Why do I bring all this up tonight? Listen, it is not to tell you to feel bad about what you've done. We have an amazing Savior. i got to walk this tightrope here and tell you what I told you last week. When Peter was told that he was going to fail his Savior repeatedly, what were the next words Jesus said to him? But don't let your heart be troubled. See, Jesus is so incredible. So if we fail, if we look at the porn, if we talk badly about the person who hurt us, if we make fun of the person that we never should make fun of that's least like us, then, man, I want to tell you something. There is grace in Christ for that, but there are also consequences, and the death sometimes falls and breaks our toe, doesn't it? So we're on this tightrope. And my heart for you tonight is not to feel bad. My heart for you tonight is to say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be close to my heavenly Father, and walk securely in who he says that I am. I'm going to walk securely in who he says that I am. And so as those temptations might come, as those opportunities show themselves, I am reminded that I am God's kid, that I am loved, and that he's pleased in me, and that he is a provider, and that he sees things I can't see, and he knows the plans he has for me, and they're good plans. And so I'm not going to repeatedly without any understanding of what might be happening, fall prey to this stuff. See, I pray part of what happens tonight is we just are tuned in to how the enemy whispers in our ear. That we see the legitimate need and his temptation to fill it in an illegitimate way. That we see our tendency to try to bend God's will to our will and force his hand. That we would see the shortcut temptations in our lives. It goes on here. In verse 10, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He speaks scripture again. And then verse 11, The devil left him and angels came and attended him. He got the grace and the strength that he needed. And angels came and empowered him and strengthened him. So thankful he didn't give in to the temptations of the enemy. So what are we learning here tonight? Well, number one, keep reading. 
Keep reading. There's going to be times where you're reading a portion of scripture. You don't fully understand it. Keep digging. Keep searching. Keep looking. Keep reading. Sometimes it'll be right after the chapter break. Sometimes it'll be right before the chapter break. Sometimes it'll be in a different section, right? Sometimes you need to call somebody from the church. Just be like, I don't get it. Call your community group leader. Call your youth pastor. Call your community group leader for the college crew or the young adult group or me or Doug. I don't get it. I don't understand. All right. Well, let's look. The Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. Let's look and find our answer. Keep reading. But Tonight, I pray specifically, you're hearing these words that were spoken over Jesus. You are God's child. You are loved, and he is pleased in you. That's what brings security. It's knowing that truth. You are God's child. You are loved, and he is pleased in you. You're not perfect. You're in development. Me too. But your God is crazy about you. Your heavenly father is crazy about you. And so we can discover that security in our relationship with God helps us overcome temptation. It's that security. It's that knowing who I am and who God is that can help me see those things that the enemy's trying to whisper in my ear for what they are and then know how to proceed forward and not get led down a path that will lead to brokenness. Does temptation ever own you? You ever try to fill a legitimate need in an illegitimate way? You ever try to bend God's will? You ever try to take the shortcut? Are you insecure in your relationship with your heavenly father? Tonight, I'm telling you, that the God who pronounced over his son his great affirmation, this great encouragement, this great security, is speaking the same thing over you and me because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Next week, Joe is going to wrap up our series. He's going to talk about the condemnation that we sometimes feel within us. Last week, I talked about how sometimes we feel condemned from external things and people and circumstances. Tonight, we talked a little bit about temptation, right? Next week, Joe's going to talk about the condemnation that sometimes rises up within us and what we do with that. It's going to be powerful, and I hope to see you back for that. But if we'll walk secure in our relationship with God, if we'll remember we're God's child, we're loved, and he's pleased in us, we're going to see more victory in our lives. And man, that's my heart for me my heart for you. I'd love to see us growing. I'd love to see us changing more and more into the image of Christ. And I'd love to see us avoiding the hardship that comes from being insecure and not knowing who God is and who we are and choosing things that are going to lead us to really difficult places. So I am blessed to have a good dad. Some of you guys have met him or know him. He's a big guy, six foot eight, 250. When I was a little kid, I was very secure, not just in his size, but as his kid and in his love for me and knowing that he was pleased in me even though I wasn't perfect for sure. And as a little kid, I get myself in all kinds of trouble. I've gotten myself stuck in places. I've climbed up too high. I've, I've gotten myself into all kinds of messes. And you know, I, I think back to times where he would look at me and I would be stuck like in a tree. <laughs> stuck. I literally got stuck on the roof of my house once. Uh, I mean, just all kinds of places. And I just remember that there was this trust in my heart that I could you know, completely trust my dad, that I could be 100% free to go ahead and jump out the tree or let him pull me out of the cave that I got myself stuck in or get me off the roof or, or whatever it was because I just knew that I was Peach Anson's kid and I knew that I was loved and I knew that he was pleased in me. And jumping off out of a tree, I knew he'd catch me. And the same is true for you with your heavenly Father. And so what I want to do as we close is I want us to really get specific with God tonight. I want us to, to go to God with our father issues. I want us to go to God with 
the legitimate struggle with the shortcut and with the bending of the will. And I want us to really just be able to be real and honest with God. You know, he loves you so much. He wants you to share with him even the most broken details of your life. And I think it's a really important step that we just go to God tonight and say, God, here's where I've been. Here's where I've struggled with these things. And would you forgive me and would you just make me secure in you that I would choose your ways? If you're not a father of Jesus, I'd love for you to pray with me in just a minute and put your trust in Jesus. But let's remember that we're God's children, that he loves us and he's pleased in us. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful that no matter where we come from, our background, our ethnicity, the color of our skin, the struggle we have or don't have, um, our finances, our education level, our career path, God, all of it, I thank you that, Lord, you call us your kids, God. I thank you that as we have a relationship with Jesus, that we belong and that you love us and you're pleased in us. I would just encourage everybody, just keep on listening to my voice. Just keep on listening so that we could approach our Heavenly Father together. First, what I want to do is if you have some real father wounds, then I think it's time to bring those to your Heavenly Father because there's a good chance the wounds you have from your earthly father are impacting how you see your Heavenly Father. And even a good earthly father still leaves wounds. Maybe for you, there was no father, completely absent. Maybe he was horrible to you. Maybe he was great to you, but still fell short. I would just encourage you now to name some of the things that you experienced and say, Heavenly Father, would you heal me of this? And would you help me to see you clearly? For those of us who have really gotten stuck filling legitimate needs in illegitimate ways, maybe tonight we can just confess some of that to God. Remember, you're confessing from a place of security. I'm not asking you tonight to try harder. I'm asking you to be closer to your Heavenly Father, to be more secure in His love for you. That's the strategy here. So confessing to God, here's the... Here's the ways I've been trying to meet these needs in an illegitimate way, a way that's leading me to real pain and brokenness. Bring to him that second set of temptations, the, the trying to bend his will to your will, presuming upon him. We just say, God, I've, I've tried to do this with a relationship. I've tried to do this with just the, the, the path of my life. I've taken my life out of your hands and it's in my hands and I'm just trying so hard to, to make you come my way and tonight instead I go your way, God. I come to what you have and I surrender and I submit to what you say. That third of set, set of temptations, the shortcut. How is that true in your life? What can you say to your Heavenly Father tonight about the shortcuts that you've taken and just maybe asking for forgiveness and then saying, oh God, would you lead me to do things your way? If you're not a follower of Jesus and you would like to pray, begin a conversation with a God who loves you so much tonight, I'd love for you to pray with me now. 
you just say something quietly like this, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for living the perfect life that I couldn't live. Thank you that I'm yours. And Heavenly Father, thank you that I'm your child, that I'm loved, and that you're pleased in me. Everybody just look up at me real quick. What I want you to leave with tonight is not feeling bad about past mistakes. What I want you to leave tonight with is a security that comes from knowing that you are God's child, that you're loved, and he's pleased in you. If anybody needs prayer during this last song, I'm going to be in the back corner over there, and I would love to pray with you. After the service, there'll be somebody up here that's going to continue to pray for people. But during this last song, if somebody wants to just meet me in the back corner, I'd love to be praying for you guys as the band leads us. You guys can stand.